Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got some news to hit on. We've got some interesting things to talk about in terms of the Big Ten and the recent news report that they might be considering dropping divisions. The East and West would be no more. And then we'll talk, of course, about everything that's going on in the Twitter sphere and the uh, Caleb Williams discussion, the Bobby Ingram discussion. Seems like that's kind of been the focal point of Wisconsin Twitter um, and, and the outlets uh, across the country in terms of recruiting. That seems to be the focus for a lot of people right now. So we'll get into that again. I know it feels like we've talked about Bobby Ingram quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, but everyone's kind of waiting on bated breath on if that is going to be, in fact, the new offensive coordinator and what that might bring um, for Wisconsin at some other key positions. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Wisconsin hitting the recruiting trail and a couple other things in the news section, and then we'll get into our Nebraska recap. The Badgers came out, played a good game on the road, shot the ball well, tightened some things up defensively, so it was nice to see the team get back to their winning ways. And then they've got a quick turnaround against Minnesota on Sunday, so we'll, of course, get to that in our next episode. Matt, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. Yeah, no, it's uh, quite a bit of news here this past week. Nothing official, but things are getting a lot closer to, to coming to an end, at least in the coaching search-wise. And uh, it was nice to see the Badgers get back in the win column uh, on the hardwood for UW men's basketball. Although the women's team did get a W this past week as well, which was exciting to see. There you go. They're building towards something. I know they've had a, a rough stretch, but it's nice to see them get a win as well. So good for both teams on the hardwood to get back to winning ways. So we'll talk about everything that stood out from them. I think there was some guys that had really good performances in that basketball game, including uh, Chucky Hepburn going back to his home state. So I'm excited to get into all things Nebraska and Wisconsin. Before that, though, we'll get to our news section. Um, like we said at the top, one of the big stories out of this week is that the Big Ten is uh, – there's rumors uh, per reports that the Big Ten is thinking about dropping divisions, uh, which would essentially get rid of the East and West. Uh, this, of course, came from Iowa Athletic Director Gary Barta. He said the change could come as soon as the 2023 season. So when you're looking at the Big Ten, it, it's really been, of course, to a lot of people, and, and fairly so, a conference that has been 
very heavy in the East when you've got Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State over there, and then the West has been, uh, at least certain years, down a little bit compared to what we've seen um, in the East. You know, Wisconsin still had, I think, multiple years where they've been really the, the best team in that division, but how it would shake out differently based on if they um, shuffled this around and got rid of the divisions would certainly be interesting. So in terms of a Wisconsin fan and insider perspective that way, how would you feel about the, the Big Ten making this change? Um, how do you think it would impact uh, Wisconsin's chances at, uh, of course, reaching Indianapolis and, and competing for Big Ten titles? I, th- I think it can cut both ways because I think in a positive light, it would mean that the Badgers would have one less Big Ten game that they'd be playing, which I think would help. Like I think that that would be a good thing. Everybody has talked about how grueling it can be. Um, the Big Ten's one of the lone teams that right now have nine conference games. Um, now, sometimes that leads to games like Illinois-Maryland that you're like, gross. Um, but it also can lead to um, really good games. But that is the physical pounding that, that uh, adds on over the year. You know, pivoting over, if you bump it down to eight, um, you're obviously just going to play around Robin of other teams. It sounds like there would be some set amount of teams that you would have uh, a rivalry with. Um, I think it was, I think he brought up three. So you would play three opponents annually, something like for Wisconsin, maybe Minnesota, Iowa, and pick one more um, in there um, that you are set. That's your schedule. Um, I, I could see it being Nebraska, for example. Um, and then from there, the rest of it cycles through with the other 10 teams. I think that would be interesting to watch. Um, but I do think that it would also lead to playing some other non-conference games that are going to be really nice to see um, and games that you want to see on television, such as um, Wisconsin taking on USC or UCLA, Washington, some really good matchups out there that I think uh, could come about because of that uh, due to the alliance. Um, I think what's interesting is you mentioned 2023. It's going to have to be kind of figured out here within the next year because um, their media rights deal ends up at end ends after 2022. So this is something that if they do, it's going to probably drop either this off season or shortly after the the football season because they'll want to have this figured out as they take bids from different networks for their their packages. So I think this is definitely something that's being discussed in a, in a real thing. I know Scott Docterman, um spoke with, with Gary Bowder about it, and, and, you know, Docterman does a really good job on the Iowa beat and, I, and one of the most well-respected guys in the kind of Big Ten country. So I, I think this has some legs, and it's going to be interesting to see how far it goes um, and kind of what are some of the, the implications from it because I think it benefits Wisconsin in some ways, but it also could make it a lot more difficult um, because you will be having uh, to potentially – in certain years have to play Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, all in the same schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really an interesting, if it does in fact happen, how it goes about. And in some years, yeah, like you mentioned, some years you might get a luckier draw. Some years you might get a, a year where you're, you're pulling, you know, three of those teams that have been top teams from the East. So it, it, it makes it interesting in that regard. I do think there's times where the the West schedule can sometimes get, uh, I don't want to say stale, but there's there's when you play in you know, a Northwestern who sometimes is down every year, Nebraska's been down, where all of a sudden you would like to maybe get, I think if you could get some more 
quality games on a more regular basis from drawing some of those East opponents. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Does it make the path to Indianapolis maybe a little bit harder for these teams in the West? Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that there's been times where the teams in the West have benefited from maybe a down division compared to teams in the East, but that's how it's set up. You can you play the games that are in front of you. So I think, yeah, as you kind of mentioned, it, it cuts both ways. It's kind of twofold where I think it could be good in some ways and, and certainly could be um, tougher in another way. But I think overall for the conference, this is a good thing. You've got now the chance for to get – at the end of the day, what you want in in doing something like this is to try and get your two best teams in your Big Ten title game. I mean, this past year, you probably would have saw a rematch of Ohio State and Michigan, and and uh, and Iowa probably would have been left at home. Would that have given you a, a better product in Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game? Most likely, yeah. Um, so I think you're looking at a situation where it, I think overall it's good for the conference. The I'm glad you brought up the dropping the down to eight games because I think that's almost the more interesting part too is what happens, who that gets filled with. If it gets filled with a quality opponent, I think that would be even better. I don't want to see that new non-conference game that's possibly in the works just be thrown to, you know, an FCS school or a, a low, you know, group of five team where all of a sudden it's just another filler on the schedule because I think there's there's conferences across the country they kind of use that fourth non-conference game as just a get-right week, and, and rightfully so, if you have the ability to do so, I can understand why, but I think it'd be really nice to see, like you mentioned, some quality um, games from that alliance, from other conferences. It's cool to see these nice non-conference matchups. So overall, I think both, if they could make it work and, and do that kind of these couple of ways and make sure that they focus in on some of that stuff, I think I think this could be a really good thing for the conference as a whole. Yeah, and it's, and it's paired with something to where – you have a deal with another conference, whether it be the Pac-12, whether it be the ACC, where you're going ahead and doing like a, a tournament-style um, kind of challenge, similar to what the Big Ten ACC does for basketball or the Gavit games with the Big East, where you are matched up with a team that's you know either of similar caliber from this year previous or, or some other different strategy that is kind of just a rolling thing. Um, I think that would be a, a, a cool uh, addition to it because it, it helps build camaraderie between the conferences, uh, especially given the way that kind of college football has been more regionalized now. So I think that would be one, you know, fun way that they could incorporate this. But I, I really hope that um, if they do this, they still leave teams with some autonomy with, with their scheduling um, where they could go ahead and, and figure out and talk with another team from a different conference to get that set up and, and maybe hold teams to a standard that, hey, you still got to play another Power 5 opponent. We're not dropping a, a good, you know, a Big Ten game that's going to have eyes on it regardless because um, whether it's Rutgers versus uh, Northwestern, those, those fan bases are still going to be checking in so you're not, like you're saying, playing Northern Illinois. Um, out of nowhere. Instead, you're actually bringing in uh, a good Power 5 team um, into your home or going to their place to play because I think it, this is going to be driven by uh, by eyeballs and television views. Hey, it'd be nice to to maybe get rid of a team like Northwestern, who Wisconsin's had uh, kind of thorns in their side for the last couple of years to not play them every year. And that, I think that's the other thing. When you talk about those three protected games, you're probably talking Iowa and Minnesota are givens. Who would you say is maybe the third? Is Do you think Nebraska would be that third team and you can kind of keep that 
four game or three game slate with those four teams kind of together, or or would it be somebody else like a Northwestern? Because I know in our comments on that post, there's been quite a few people that have been clamoring to keep Northwestern, but you would think you'd want to get rid of that team and then get rid of the thorn on their side and, and keep a team like Nebraska, who you've had pretty strong uh, relevancy over the last few years. Yeah, I think it's hard because I think there's a, a bunch of different ways it could go. I think Northwestern would make some sense. But I, I think it would be um, Nebraska just because of um, location. Like, geography-wise, the Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Iowa are the farthest west, really, that you're going to get in the Big Ten. So I think it makes sense to, to group those three. But then you also would end up with, with some teams like – if you go strictly based off of geography, you'd end up with like a really bad group of three with with Illinois and Northwestern mm-hmm. and say you know Purdue. Like that's a completely different animal than than you have Michigan, Michigan State, and Indiana or Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Iowa. It's going to lead to potentially some 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 issues there too, where it's not necessarily quote unquote fair for teams, or they can think of that way. So I, I think it would be Nebraska, but I could I could see um, if through balancing things out, it's somebody like uh, like Northwestern or Illinois or even a team like Michigan State. I could see them uh, bouncing them over. So I think they can go a lot of different ways, and I think it's just it's going to be fun to see how this plays out if it even does in the first place. Yeah, that's yeah, certainly something to keep an eye on Well, as that story kind of continues to develop. As you mentioned, the TV rights are going to be a huge part of it. They'd have to likely get something, at least a plan in place, kind of nailed down soon. And I'm sure that that's been, you know, it's just been a report. So I'm sure there's been behind-the-scenes workings on, on that situation. We'll certainly keep an eye on it and update you guys as we uh, find out more from what could be a big change to the Big Ten overall coming as early as the 2023 season. All right, up next in terms of news, Wisconsin football, I will say the coaching staff has been out on the road. They've been busy. Um, they've been throwing out quite a few offers. I had a couple offers in the 2023 group, which is really nice to see now that 2022 is, is really come and gone in terms of buttoning up that group as, as much as you're kind of seeing right now. Um, now the focus really turns to 2023 as a whole and, and what that group can, and now you're starting to see them kind of lay the groundwork, and you're going to start seeing these names continue to pop up. So been a lot of offers in that group. Also an unranked uh, offer in the 2025 group, which is pretty crazy to see that you're already going out that far, but it never hurts to get in on some of these conversations. So the recruiting tra- staff has been busy and, and kind of <laughs> trying to, um, you know, do the best they can. I know we've talked about it multiple times. They're trying to figure out what's going to be going on in that staff, but the position coaches have been out on the road making some offers, which is nice to see. So, any of the offers that have been thrown out stand out to you, or, or is it just nice to kind of see the you know the, the, the coaches and the staff really hitting the trail hard? Yeah, I think it's, the big thing is just Wisconsin's being aggressive and going out, take advantage of, of this opening um, time where they can go out. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, if they do throw out any new quarterback offers. I know they're after Avery Johnson, but that's really kind of, hasn't been much since. I know we talked with Braden Dorman here on the podcast, but I, I think he's trending away from the Wisconsin. So I think that's a position where it'll be fun to see if there's new offers go out. But really, you're, you're seeing Wisconsin be aggressive um, at some, some different positions, specifically defensively, to go after some new guys in the secondary, which I think is fun. Um, I, I swear, um, Bobby April must just have um, – uh, 
a uh, charter jet on speed dial to go down to Louisiana for Tacky Curtis because he seems to go down there and visit him every other week, um, it seems like. But I think if there's one offer that I do think um, that was, was a good one, and we'll see if it plays out, is Amari uh, Snowden out of Michigan. Wisconsin has some good ties to that area. Um, Snowden's from Roseville, Michigan, and um, Wisconsin has brought in mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Franklin from that school. I think we talked a little bit about it, but of the group of offers that they've put out so far, that would be um, one that's interesting. Another one, uh, safety, Khalil Ali out of New Jersey. Once again, another area that Wisconsin has some good ties, has found recent success at, um, especially considering Hank Poteet's um, ability to recruit that area based off of his experience. So I think those two um, secondary offers are, are big because I think those are two guys that they have a realistic shot at that are high-profile guys and national recruits. So um, I, there's going to be more that are going to come out, and uh, it, it's, it's fun to see these guys get after it. But I, I think one other really interesting part about this whole thing was um, the fact that James Rogers, who's um, if you don't know, he's an analyst on the team. He, he's been helping the team out on offense. But he, it's his second year with the Badgers last year um, after being um, in a developmental role at Oregon State. And he's kind of filling in for, um, for right now the Badgers being without Gary Brown because of some health concerns. So I think that's one interesting development within it because I think he's been hitting it hard um, and been somebody to that has really kind of done some nice things for the Badgers in recruiting as well. Yeah, I mean, it's always fun to see the, the you know, the assistant coaches, coaches get out on the on the recruiting trail. And like I said, you're going to start to see these names really start to you know, probably get familiar, familiar with as you as you work through and, and get into the 2023 weeds of, of really getting after a lot of these players. So I think the offers that you mentioned are, are certainly ones to keep an eye on. Some of these offers that they've thrown out are, are, are just kind of getting your name in the ring, trying to establish that initial conversation and, and get that offer in there to make sure you're in consideration for when a player starts to trim down his list. You know, you're, you're going to continue to follow up with lots of phone calls and messaging and, as you mentioned, visits um, continually to try and build that relationship. So I don't there's, – there's a few on the list that have went out where you're just kind of thinking, okay, Wisconsin's just trying to get in there, get their name in the ring and, and hopefully make it a competition that way. But there are a couple others. That, yeah, the ones you mentioned are certainly the ones that I think Wisconsin can be competitive with. So it's fun to see, you know, when you pay so much attention to recruiting, it's fun to see this time of year when all of a sudden the offers are going out, you start to hear these names first time, and then you kind of watch their recruitment progress until eventually, you know, next thing you know, you're going to be in that 2023 signing day, and you're going to be, you know, talking about these guys as the next wave and, and crop of Wisconsin football. So it's it's good to see that the offers are going out. It's good to see that they're staying busy, and, and hopefully they can be competitive with some of these uh, players because there's a lot of talent, and you want to really make sure. I know we've talked about the recruiting staff kind of being up in the air, it'd be really nice for them to get that finalized and, and really put together a good 2023 group. I know the consensus across from a lot of different people is that the 2022 group, I think, is, is maybe a little underrated, maybe doesn't pack the same punch that the last couple classes did. So you'd like to see them really try to put together a strong 2023 class. And it starts right here with laying the groundwork uh, early into and, and early into February with, uh, with getting some of these offers out. 
especially with the in-state crop not necessarily being mm-hmm. what you're used to in that 2023 group. I think the 2024 group is going to be really fun. You've already seen some offers go out to some high-profile kids from within the state. Um, but, I mean, specifically at Catholic Memorial, Arrowhead, some of the bigger powerhouse schools. But you you look at it right now in 2023, seems like there might be a couple of hidden gems here or there, but a lot of those guys are going to probably be camp offers if they come about from inside the state, meaning you're going to have to really hit the ground outside of the state. And uh, it starts now when when you're going out and, and seeing guys lift, work out to try to Get, build that early relationship, see these kids in person to, to give out those offers. And I, I like how Wisconsin is, is taking full advantage right now um, as uh, the open period is, is continuing to roll on. All right, up next in news, and we've talked about it, it seems like every episode the last few weeks in terms of the uh, conversation with Bobby Ingram, of course, possibly being the new offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. I think the hype train around um, what that could mean if he is, in fact, named the offensive coordinator is, of course, um, really picking up in, in the results of transfer quarterback Caleb Williams, who it was a rumor it seemed like a couple weeks ago. We talked about it, I think it was probably um, our first episode two weeks ago, where we talked about that as kind of a, an initial rumor that came out, really an interesting story. Everyone was kind of like, wow, that would be that'd be really cool. But all since then, the steam with the Caleb Williams possibly transferring to Wisconsin seems to have really picked up. And who knows if it's just a lot of smoke around a, a small fire or if it's a, a really strong connection, but it seems to just be building and building and building to where all of a sudden it's going to, it's going to feel like some disappointment to a lot of Wisconsin fans if he does not in fact choose Wisconsin. Uh, but of course, part of that becomes um, his decision-making probably hinders on being part and working with Bobby Ingram that way. So it's a fascinating story. I still don't know what to make of the Caleb, Caleb Williams situation in terms of like a percent, how I feel comfortable if, if he were to be at Wisconsin. I, maybe it's a, maybe now it's, it's almost a 50-50 to, to see where he's going to end up between there and USC and, and maybe some other teams. Maybe Georgia, I know, is still in the mix. But uh, what do you make of the last week? Because it's been since Monday since we've talked. And since then, the – the theme of this story has continued to pick up and pick up and, and people are getting really excited about it. So what do you make of kind of a wild week in terms of Wisconsin Twitter and um, and the Caleb Williams situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the first domino is that it, it sounds like we're recording this Friday morning. It sounds like Bobby Ingram is going to be finalized today at some point, according to both Jeff Patrikas and Colton Bartholomew. They've kind of come out and said that we have made, we've, We've been talking about Bobby Ingram as probably going to be the guy for two weeks now, right? Like that was a guy we we said that is was gaining gaining plenty of momentum to be the guy, and then we were able to speculate that hey, there is a prior relationship there um, with Caleb Williams, and sure enough, it that started to trickle out as well and, and gain momentum. We've now seen this past week national writers, um, specifically CBS. Um, on three, which is a new recruiting service out there, um, have all been kind of talking about this as as a realistic possibility, not just you know kind of an afterthought. I still think USD is is uh, probably the betting favorite. I, I just think that previous relationship, Lincoln, Lincoln Riley's resume as a quarterback development um, guy, is is kind of off the charts. But I, I think Wisconsin, especially if this Ingram news turns out to be true, which it, from all accounts seems to be the case, um, I think that's the first domino that's going to help Wisconsin in this race. And um, 
I, I think it's a wait and see. Uh, I just think I wouldn't necessarily put it at 50%. I think it's a little less than that. I'm not getting my hopes up too much, but I definitely think that the odds have gone up as the mm-hmm. as we've gotten closer to Bobby Ingram actually officially being hired. Um, it, it sounds like that there was a meeting at one point or another that, uh, according to Evan Flood, that they, they met with his family, which I, I think is a pretty strong indicator. But it's a matter of can they get him on campus for the visit. Um, they still have until mid of next week at this time to to get him enrolled if it was for spring practice. Um, quick shout out, all the transfers are on campus, which is exciting. Um, but I think for, for him, he really doesn't have to be here for the spring. I think he's a talented kid that is going to be able to come in um, and play. I, I think he is also not a, a dumb kid. He's going to get into whatever school he wants. And I think what's really important is is because he is so intelligent, he knows he holds a lot of leverage right now. Um, and so he is he understands that. He knows that other teams, um, Wisconsin included, are going to do different things to try to make it happen that he joins their team. Um, and I, I think it's something where hopefully Wisconsin gets him because he is one of the top three quarterbacks going into next season for a reason. He's He's got two, multiple years of eligibility. It would be an absolutely gigantic get for Wisconsin based off of what he would bring to the table. But um, I, I still think it's – it's uh, I, I would be betting the field against betting on Wisconsin to win this one, um, but that's just the pessimist in me. <laughs> That's understandable. I can certainly. I think there's been, a, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of people if he does not, in fact, end up at Wisconsin, that will, will certainly be disappointed with um, with the hype train that he's got to the Badgers. I mean, there's a ton of connections there. It makes sense, but as you mentioned, there's this is likely the first domino's got to fall, and that's finalized with Bobby Anchor. By the time this episode is out, maybe that's already been addressed, and we know, and and then the hype train will certainly continue to roll out and, and take off, and. It's it's nice to see. I still think Wisconsin's got a shot. I do think, you know, you've got USC in there. I think it's really, it really seems like in terms of connections, it seems like he wants to be in a place where he, he's got familiar connections with. So USC and Wisconsin seem like to be the two. Um, Georgia is a team that's just coming off national championships, still probably in the mix. But it seems like he's got at least some, some narrow focus, in it, and both would be good outlets for him to end up at. So it's – it's, it's been a crazy week. Where it ends up, we'll have to wait and see. But as you mentioned, this could go on for a little while. I don't think this is a situation where Caleb Williams has to, you know, finalize the decision anytime soon. He's got enough talent, especially if he were to end up at USC. He's going to be in the same familiar offense as Lincoln Riley. If you come into Wisconsin, yeah, he'd have to learn a new offense, but everybody kind of is. So if he's not there, like you mentioned, for spring, he's got enough talent that he could probably – pick the offense up and, and really work on, on things and, and be fine if you were to come to Wisconsin. So it's it's a crazy story. It's an interesting story. It's one that we'll continue to keep an eye on, but it's been a, it's been a fun week to certainly follow that. Whatever the end result is, um, it, it's been it's been crazy to see Wisconsin kind of in that conversation and, and possibly uh, ending, ending up with a player like that would, would certainly be huge, but I think everyone's still kind of trying to be hesitant and not uh, not get hurt, and there's others that are, are fully on the hype train and are 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 set up for some some damages if he does not in fact end up at Wisconsin. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm hoping for the best, expecting the worst, and, and that's just like how I usually look at these transfer situations or any big time recruit for for uh, Wisconsin, which I know uh, doesn't sound great, but it is what it is. Um, but I, I do think that it, it it does. You see some of the the 
the things putting together that make sense for this move as Wisconsin being an actual possibility. I think UCLA, um, especially because they have the quarter system, is another team to, to look out for. LSU has been involved, I know, for a long time. So I, I, there's a lot of people who are, are trying to um, get this kid to come to campus, and, and really it's got to be a really tough decision for him. But I do think that the familiarity and relationship with with um, Bobby Ingram, the ability that if Bobby Ingram um, comes in and brings some of the wrinkles that Baltimore has on offense with Lamar Jackson, it would fit um, Williams probably really nicely um, given his skill set. He's not as much of a runner, but he, he likes or he moves really well. He can run really well, but he's, you know, a pass first guy. Um, whereas Jackson's more of a run first guy, but he also passes. So I think there's a lot of things that make sense. But it's just, we'll see. And, and hopefully that if Wisconsin doesn't get him, it doesn't completely burn bridges within that quarterback room. But I, I think I think Graham Mertz is smart enough to know, hey, my play was not perfect perfect this past year. And this kid is, you know, a, the type of talent that Wisconsin, you know, insert team here would be stupid to not kick the tires mm-hmm. on, especially if there's a relationship, uh, a prior relationship or in there in the recruitment. So, We'll see. I think one other aspect of this whole of Bobby Ingram being hired on likely today is um, how that affects the rest of the coaching staff. Because I know we've talked about it a lot that there's going to have to be shuffling um, to to make this work. Um, and it, it seems like uh, there's there's because of the health concerns right now with uh, Gary Brown, like that there's kind of – it's up in the air as to what the Badgers are going to do. Um, it might be one where they bring them in and then try to figure it out over the next couple weeks as uh, hopefully they gain clarity on, on Brown's health. Um, but I think Mickey Turner and Elvis Whitted are the two guys to specifically watch about where they end up. Um, you know, are they still on the staff? Are they switched to a different role, et cetera? But it does sound like, according to Jeff Patrickis, he said that um, – he expects Bobby April to take over at linebacker, something we've speculated for basically the past month at this point. Like, since, because it was the beginning of the month, right, where mm-hmm. Joe Rudolph was yep. announced to go to Virginia Tech. And even when those rumors dropped just, uh, you know, for weeks before that, we had talked about, hey, it would make sense if April just took over as linebackers. So things seem to be coming together. Um, and it's that's going to be something to definitely watch because Gary Brown. Um, really good um, running backs coach, you know, plenty plenty on his resume, but the health concerns are, are definitely worrisome right now. It, it doesn't sound like it's the can- it's cancer coming back, but he missed uh, bull prep for large chunks of it because of health concerns and is not on the recruiting trail right now. So there's definitely something there. Yeah, thoughts and prayers, of course, with, with Gary Brown. He's been a, a, a really fun coach to, to get to know him and follow um, as he's taken over at Wisconsin. So best wishes to him. Hopefully he gets better and can be back with the team as soon as he's ready. All right, before we round into basketball, we were going to talk, uh, we've, we've, the last few episodes we've, of course, done some depth chart talk. We're going to do that now with the inside linebacker room. And, and this one's going to be an interesting one because you look at this past year in terms of what you got from a position. I don't think you can ask for much more from any position than what you got out of the inside linebacker room with Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, two guys that were absolutely excellent. You know, you look at Sanborn, his entire career was great. Chanel had two, you know, really good seasons and then went into a year that was just absolutely dominating. 
but now you're going to look at and, and turn the page to both of them departing, and now you're, you're really going to be looking at some new faces in that inside linebacker room. So before we get into that, I'll just let you I'll let you have the floor to kind of rant and rave about what Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn did this past year, and then we'll talk about um, next year and what that might mean and who might fill in. Yeah, they were they were absolutely amazing this past year. I thought they were a really good one two punch in, inside for Wisconsin. And um, you, you look at it, they also had some nice depth with Mike Mascalunas behind them, a sixth year guy that you could count on to to help. And, but I, I think they're going to definitely miss those two. Just they were playmakers that brought such a tenacity to the defense that I think you're going to have to replace that, which is going to be tough, especially with how dynamic Leo Chanel was both as a blitzer, um, but just overall as a playmaker. So I, I think it's going to be tough to, to replace them. They've got plenty of good options behind that we'll see how they develop or how they take that next step. But but really, I mean, looking back on it, this past year from Chanel was really impressive. And I, looking, do you think that, like, where do you put his performance in terms of the past say, decade or so uh, of performances, because I think you could make a strong case that that um, you've got wildly good performances by, like, or um, you also had um, T.J. Edwards. But then, but going back all the way to, like, Chris Borland, for example, where do you put his performance, Leo Chanel's performance this past year, in, in kind of, you know, up against those guys who I think kind of have held the position to where it is right now and, and kind of um, set the standard? You know, that's an interesting question. I think I think you right now you 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 think of it and you go, man, you know, uh, throwing Leo Chanel into the same conversation as guy like you know you mentioned Chris Borrell and Chris Orr. You've got you know, Brian Conley going back for as you know through over the last decade. It's right now it seems so fresh, but I think as you look back on it, you know, down the road, it's I think it's certainly a conversation where he's up there as as one of those top guys. I, I don't know if I'd put it. I don't know if I'd put him in front of Chris Borland as a guy that he was just so dominant and was seemed to be in there on every tackle. But this past season was was pretty special for a guy like Leo Chanel to to be maybe right behind there in that second tier of guys. You know, Ryan Conley, Chris Orr, Leo Chanel. I think that's a fair spot to to rank a guy like that if you're putting together a, a top list of the inside linebackers the past decade. I think Leo Chanel's up there in that conversation. Jack Sanborn, if you're looking at in career as a whole, would be up there as well. So. They really got a lot of good production out of him. I know it, it seems like Leo Chanel's career was, was so quick in terms of having, you know, that initial year that was, was pretty good and just kind of a step behind to all of a sudden just dominating and then out of the door. But you can understand, you know, his situation where he can go to that next level and, and really hopefully make an impact. So I think he ranks towards the top, and I think as we get further away from how special of a season it was and look back on it, I think we'll continue to kind of talk with him and, and talk about him with kind of that same nostalgia. We talk about guys like, you know, like Chris Borland, who was such a dominating player for Wisconsin uh, at during his time. So I think that's a, a fascinating kind of question and debate that you could certainly get into. But uh, I think he, he'll look, we'll look back on his season and, and really it'll rank up there towards one of the top ones from, from the inside linebacker room over the last decade. Yeah, I honestly like thinking about it more. Like I've been thinking about it over this past week as I've kind of seen him – 
like Pro Football Focus puts out their their uh, their mock drafts. Mm-hmm. You know, they just tweet them out, and it seems like he's on every damn one of them. Yeah. Um, so I, I just I find it interesting, and I, I really do looking back at because I think those are the four guys that are you can compare. Just I know that Connolly had a really some really good years as well, but I think that he he isn't didn't quite bring the same juice as a guy like T.J. Edwards or or Chris Borland or or Chris Orr. But I really think that the only one only season from any of those guys that I would put over Leo Chanel's uh, season this past year was sophomore year Chris Borland, where he went absolutely bananas with yeah. over 140 tackles, and he had like the five force fumbles and interceptions and sacks. He just did everything, like blocking punts, like he just was an animal. Um, but really, you look out outside of that sophomore year. Um, Leo Chanel had more sacks, more tackles for loss, just as many tackles as as all the other guys, and I think that that just speaks volumes to what he did in uh, when he finally was able to go. And, it, and you consider the fact that he only did it in 11 games. Like he had 115 tackles, eight sacks, and almost 20 tackles for loss in 11 games. It's crazy to think what he would have had if he would have had that full allotment, similar to. Um, what some of these guys got in 14 games for, like, Chris Thor, for example, in his senior year because um, they made it to the Rose Bowl. So I, I think that's one thing that I, I think Leo Chanel is, is maybe even underrated um, just based off of everything he did this past year. And I, I think, um, you know, people in the pros know that he's going to be a good one. Um, and and I, I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level. Oh, absolutely. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch um, in that NFL. And, and wherever he ends up, as you mentioned, he's kind of been bounced around in those uh, mock drafts. So where he ends up will be fun to see. But he's going to be a player that likely you know, has had success to whatever team he ends up with. So obviously Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn had phenomenal seasons this past year, and, and, and rightfully so. And we ran rave about those guys. <laughs> we probably have an whole episode uh, on those two and their production. But going into next year, there's certainly a lot of guys that, are in the mix and and will be looking to, and the Badgers will be looking to uh, to take over in that inside linebacker room and then really have productive years. It's not like you get it would have been almost a nice situation where if you had one move on and you still had another one to kind of stabilize that inside linebacker room. But now you've got a situation where you've got two guys that are going to be competing or, or a handful of guys competing for two spots that really haven't played all that much football. So when you look to next year and who might be in there. Which guys do you kind of have your eyes on as maybe the leaders in the clubhouse to take over in that inside linebacker room? Yeah, I, I think it starts with Jordan Turner. I think when you look at how much playing time was distributed, he was a guy that every time that it went to the reserves, he was out there, and he made plays. Um, he, he had those two interceptions, showed some nice things in coverage, um, and, and you, you saw his workload just kind of, grow as the season went on um but I, I think beyond that I think it's it's more of a toss-up I think there's a lot of guys but you don't necessarily know who's going to step up Tatum Grass would probably be my my guess um you you look at the two deep throughout the year Tatum Grass played in every single game and he was listed the two deep the entire year behind Sanborn Chanel and obviously my Lunas was in there too but I, so I would guess, if I had to guess right now, those would be the two guys that I would think would be um, given the first crack at it entering spring ball. But I think you've got a lot of other guys who who could easily slide in there. I think Muma Jong Meta getting back to being full healthy, which I think is is big for his development. Another guy that has a lot of upside that could definitely play. Been in the program now. He's he's going to be a, a junior next year, eligibility wise, but he would it will be his fourth year in the program. Um, and then Jake Cheney, um, 
Wisconsin, when they don't redshirt a true freshman, it's usually an indicator that they want this mm-hmm. kid to play sooner rather than later. Jake Cheney did not redshirt, so maybe he's a guy that could could jump in there. Um, a little undersized at 5'11", um, 222, but at the same time, he's talented. So I think those those guys are the ones that I would be looking to, but you never know with, with some of the young guys. Jake Ratzloff, mm-hmm. I think we've been higher than anybody on, on him. He's just so athletic. Um, with that hockey background that you, you wonder what he could do. Had an interception in, in fall camp that was really impressed. The, um, and, and even, you know, some of the guys maybe at outside linebacker, if, if Bobby April is taking over the position, maybe you see some movement there to, to try to get your best four on the field. Um, this year seems like it's a little less cut and dry because the inside linebacker room is a, a little um, – a little more, bit younger, but even Brian Sanborn, an, another guy, um, can he follow in his brother's footsteps and make an immediate impact early in his career? But if I had to guess right now, I would go with Grass and um, Turner. But I, I, I think Jake Cheney is the, the guy to watch out for, although I do think Mumo Jung Meta could, could make a move as well. Yeah, I think Jordan Turner is, is probably, in, in terms of the group, the odds-on favorite right now. He, he's been I, – I thought it was impressive in the limited amounts of snaps we saw him. Um, but as you mentioned, how that playtime um, was distri- distributed, he, he seems like a guy that's going to be in there um, and, and gets the first crack at that spot, and I think he'll he'll really have success once he gets in there. I'm excited to see his growth and development into next year. Like you mentioned, Jake Cheney, I know when we had him on the podcast, um, we were I was I was left really impressed by him. Um, really, a guy that did not seem like he was going to be when we talked to him was you know a senior in high school and, and going to be going into college. He seemed to have a really strong understanding of, of the game, and, and it's not really a surprise to me that, that he didn't register and could be a guy that works into the fold next year. He, he just seems like a guy that's uh, beyond his years in terms of age and development that way, and, and, and as much a little undersized, but I think could be a guy that pairs in there nicely. Um, and, and then, you know, the other group, Tate Grass is always a guy that, has, you know, when he's been out there, he, he's kind of flown around the field. You, you've heard his name called that way, so he's he's one of them. Puma Jungmeta, I I know he, he's been banged up. He's certainly a guy that will be in the conversation and, and could make a group. But it's going to be, once again, you know, every position that we've talked about on the defensive side of the ball has some sort of competition versus, you know, going into this year, we, we knew that inside linebackers, Sanborn and Chanel, if they were good to go, were going to be out there 98% of the time. And you have Mascalunas to fill in that other two. You're essentially having to, you know, replace 100% of your production with, a group of, of three, four, maybe five guys, if you include Rossloff as a guy that's so athletic, could be in that conversation as well. So it's going to be a fun group to watch. And, and really, you know, I think Jordan Turner is probably a guy that is is right now got one spot pretty – I wouldn't say solidified, but he's, he's in a pretty good spot at this point. But then the other spot, it could be a whole host of those four, or it could be, as you mentioned, somebody from the outside bouncing in. How that inside linebacker spot – uh, works out is, is going to be fascinating because you not only you need bodies that are that are ready to play and ready to start, but you're going to need some production uh, pretty quickly from someone in that group. Yeah, I, I could see it be in a committee approach this spring mm-hmm. where they're they're just throwing different combinations in there to see who is consistently um, playing at a high level. I, I do think though that Graft and, and Turner will get the first looks. I, I just think that they present something a little bit different than the rest of the group, but. I think another wild card in this, I mentioned that I think Cheney is a guy that could easily jump up. I think Ratzloff is a guy that could easily um, come out of nowhere and grab a, a starting spot. But another guy, Invon, coming in uh, as a mm-hmm. true freshman, enrolling early, 
uh, late bloomer. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily um, something where we should expect him to be in the mix right away. But but we saw that Wisconsin has shown the ability, especially if it's Bobby April. Bobby April threw Nick Herbig in there right away. When they needed him, he was a starter, and he's been a starter since day one of his college career. So April has shown a willingness to say, okay, get out there, let's go, um, even with, with uh, not a lot of experience. So I think that um, – it's a new position for Vaughn, so it might be a little bit different of a transition, whereas Herbig came from a very similar system and was playing a very similar position. But but I think the athletic intangibles are there, that he could be somebody that could push and, and maybe surpasses his uh, his four-game threshold. But I just think there's so many different guys in here that it's hard to predict the inside linebackers. I think this is probably maybe the hardest group to predict um, overall just because – Nobody really stood out as the guy other than maybe Turner you could make an argument for, but but he still only played in six games last year, whereas Tate Grass played in 13. That's going to be a fascinating group to watch as we move into next year, so we'll continue to talk about all sorts of depth chart conversations. We've worked through quite a few positions on the defense, but we'll continue to work that way and finish up. Uh, We've got the defensive line left, and then we'll get into the offense. All right, guys, that wraps up our football talk. So now we'll get into some basketball talk. Before we do that, I've got to talk to you guys about Home Field Apparel and their latest addition to Big New Saturday Season 3. So you guys aren't familiar with it. Big New Saturday dropped last weekend. The first installment um, was the Cincinnati Bearcats where they dropped uh, some nice T-shirts, some nice sweatshirts, and, and the whole collection for that school. If you're still interested in signing up, you can. You would just uh, you would only have the seven weeks of Big New Saturday, but still a nice savings if you're looking for a T-shirt every single week. You know the regular price is thirty-two dollars down to twenty if you join up at HomeFieldApparel.com. I think this weekend they're launching uh, Gonzaga. I know this season is all basketball-themed schools, so if you're looking to pick up some nice, comfortable T-shirts um, with some cool retro logos, Home Field Apparel is your spot. They do have a Wisconsin collection. I think sometimes when we talk about the ads, uh, we forget to mention that. They have a very, really cool Wisconsin section that they've had out there for some time now, which is part of Big New Saturday Season 3. So make sure to go over and check them out at homefieldapparel.com if you're looking for some new gear um, that's got incredible comfort all over it. Because I think uh, I think if I speak for both Matt and I, we've got you know, home field litters, our closet, and our wardrobe. So make sure to go over and check it out and, and get something for yourself. All right, up next we've got some basketball talk, Nebraska and Wisconsin. The Badgers, of course. Went into Lincoln and, and overall, I think, played pretty well. You look at it, it wasn't necessarily the best game from Johnny Davis and, and Tyler Wall, but some other guys stood up and, and, and played really well. Brad Davison was incredible, um, just knocking down three after three. I, I think the big story, uh, in addition to him, was Chucky Hepburn going back to his home state. A lot of emotion for him and played really well, knocked down a couple threes, played well in the defensive end, and, and really, I, I think the team as a whole got back to their winning ways after kind of sitting on that Michigan State game and then having a sour taste in their mouth that way. So, overall, what were your takeaways from a, a nice win for the Badgers? Yeah, I think the big thing is it was nice to see Wall out there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he didn't get much going on the offensive end, had three turnovers, one of five shooting, um, but did grab ten rebounds. But 22 minutes, I think that was about the perfect sweet spot for him. Uh, you didn't want him going the full full way, similar to like what we saw from Brad Davison and Johnny Davis. But um, I, I thought they used him in a way to kind of get him into a rhythm, but also not stress that ankle too much. It was nice to see Ben Carlson um, get in there. He played just as many minutes as Wall, which I think was intentional by 
great guard, not only because he was playing pretty well, but also because um, you wanted to continue to give him some playing time and take some of the stress off of Wall. Um, but he, he had a really nice game at six points, five rebounds in those 22 minutes. But I think the story for me, beyond Davison breaking the three-point record, which, I mean, part of it is just because of longevity. He's a fifth-year guy. But also was, was Chucky Hepburn um, coming into the game, mourning the loss of one of his best friends um, in, in his home state, coming out and hitting a three immediately, putting together one of his best performances of the year. And really it was on both ends. Like we've seen him kind of be streaky where he's had up and down games, which you'd expect from a freshman, but 13 points, three rebounds, two assists, um, three steals. I thought he just played really well. And um, I I thought that that was a a really nice thing to see, especially given everything that he's been through here recently. Um, for him to go out and, and play the way he did was was huge for the Badgers, especially in the first half when Wisconsin, like you mentioned, Davis had zero points in the first half. Tower Wall wasn't able to get it going on offense. So to have Hepburn step up and hit some big threes, I, I think was, was a, a big part of why they uh, left Lincoln with a W. Yeah, I think you're starting to see now, you know, uh, of course, as teams kind of adjust and, and the opponents know they're coming into that game, Johnny Davis has been incredible all season long. Tyler Wall has been, you know, the last, over that winning streak, that six-game winning streak has been really dominating. So the focus is, of course, going to be on those two, and that's going to create opportunities for Brad Davis and Chucky Hepper and um, whoever else in their crowd, but Carlson. Um, all those guys are, are going to get their chances to to get the ball worked through them because the the focus is going to be on those other two a lot of the time. And, and when they're not getting it going, they need someone else to step up. And, and Brad Davison's kind of been that guy all season long, and, you know, there's been games where it's been Stephen Crowell. I think Chucky Hepburn's had some good games overall, but this I think was one of his top games offensively to put together what's been a. I'd say defensively, he's played really well most of most of the season, being out there and and, and locking up some strong point guards and and then holding them down. But offensively, there's been, as you mentioned, some games where he hasn't shot the ball as well. And then last night or yesterday afternoon, he was really shooting well and, and knocking down shots, and he looked like he had a really confident shot. So. Hopefully that can continue to build for him. Um, and, you know, the, the Wall and, and Davison and, and Johnny Davis are still going to be your top options, but to have uh, a guy like Chucky Hepburn that you can feel confident and play through as well if you need to, to knock down some shots is great. So it was nice to see him really play well, uh, as you, you and I have both mentioned. Very emotional for him, but hopefully that can kind of springboard him to continue to play well. Um, and we'll see, of course, they've got a quick turnaround with Minnesota uh, this upcoming weekend. So it was nice to see them get a win, but – uh, it's it's now going to be right back to to focusing in on another conference opponent and and, and I know Minnesota's kind of basketball sometimes can be down but it, it's always still a rivalry game and you're going to get their best effort as well so it should be a, a quick turnaround but fun to watch what this team can do shortly after that Nebraska contest. Yeah, I mean Nebraska just sucks. Um, <laughs> they they just they haven't won a Big Ten game. They they just continue to flounder no matter who's in there as a head coach and um, but you look at it and I think one another guy who really um, deserves some some credit was Brad Davis, and I, I know he's always shot well against Nebraska for some reason. Um, but looking at it, this this year he's really putting together a, a really good um, final season. He he's he's shooting his best from two pointers, which last year twenty seven percent hard not to do better. But he's doing the best of his career there, um, shooting about the same as he was last year from three, which was definitely not the issue last year. Um, but, I mean, he is putting together a really good year at almost 16 points, four rebounds, two assists, a steal, right? Like, 
he is putting together a huge year and really giving Wisconsin um, a, a really strong backcourt this year with Davis and Hepburn also playing really well. Um, and and I, I just think that deserved um, mentioning. But another guy, Stephen Crow, continues to, to kind of just improve. And I think that that's been something that's been really fun to watch. You look at it since that, that uh, Iowa game, 12 points, 9 points, 9 points, 10 points, 9 points, 12 points. That's consistency from him, and you've seen him be, be more aggressive. I like that he took 10 shots in this past game, um, you know, and he's put them evenly, inside and outside. I still think Wisconsin has plenty to work on. Inside scoring um, at times, even though Crowell did, did some okay things at times, Wisconsin really struggled, especially in the first half at, at Bunnings. They were, they were like 14% in the first half on two-point attempts. Um, they were horrendous with some lobs that were – it looked like mm-hmm. they should have had at least one of those alley-oop attempts work. Like, it, it, they were just not great passes. Um, but plenty to work on. But I thought defensive intensity was up, which was a big reason for the win. Um, holding Nebraska down to the 65 points was, was huge. But I, I think this was just a, a really nice win on the road to, to kind of get right after you were licking your wounds from Michigan State. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's this sets up really nicely for this team to to really get get to work some things out. You know, defensively they didn't look their best against Michigan State. Offensively there were some struggle spots, and I think they kind of cleaned all that up. I think they're really good on the glass. I thought the Bigs were were really good at creating second chance opportunities um, with Boat and, and Carlson and and, and Crowell in there. All in Ed Wall as well. All of them um, were really good on the boards, creating some of the second chance opportunities on the offensive end. Defensively, it seemed like a lot of things were tightened up. I, I know Nebraska, they've got some athletes. They don't necessarily have um, a super deep roster, and as you mentioned, they, it's been a struggle for them really the last few years. Since they kind of joined the Big Ten, it's just not Nebraska basketball has never really taken off. But I think you're in a situation where they, they tried to get out and run, and Wisconsin did a good job kind of slowing that down, especially in the second half. Um, so it, really it was a tune-up game. You felt comfortable about this game going in, but when you didn't have top performances, you know, when you go into a game and you don't get great performances from Johnny Davis and Tyler Wall, you wonder, you know, can that be a game where a team hangs around? But thankfully the others really stepped up and and, uh, and did a great job. So it's nice to see this team back out there, get that losing uh, taste out of their mouth, get a win under their belt, and then get ready for a, another contest against Minnesota uh, and a quick turnaround this weekend. Yeah, it's, it's another big – Big game. Wisconsin's got to come out with a W in this one if, if you're wanting to continue to stick at the top of the Big Ten Conference when you look at their schedule. Um, the, this the, It was big to get that Nebraska win. That was a game you needed. Same with this Minnesota game. You, you've got to take care of business because um, Big Ten play is going to only get tougher um, from here. So I, I think this is another big game that they got to take care of it. It'll be fun to watch, and guys, make sure you tune into that basketball game as we mentioned. It's a quick turnaround, Cole Center uh, on Sunday. Tip time is set for noon central, and that will be on the Big Ten Network. So make sure to tune into that, and we'll, of course, cover that and recap it on our Monday show. Hopefully the Badgers can come away with a victory. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.